In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Alan. Hello, Carla. Hey there, how are you doing today? Uh, I am happy that it's morning. (laughs) Good mornings are definitely a way to start out the day. Absolutely. I'm really excited about the podcast here today. This is really interesting because, you know, we uh, looked at the book In Search of Excellence. And of course, it's one of the, you know, it's an international bestselling book by Tom Peters. And you never hear about Robert Waterman, uh, but they (laughs) did write the book. And uh, in 1982, it was one of the best-selling business books in the first four years. It sold over 3 million copies. And I could not believe in doing the research on this that between 1989 and 2006, it was actually the most widely held monograph in the U.S. And of course, that was focused on business. I'm sure they had different ways of uh, researching that. And uh, it really talks about the art of science uh, and management, right? That balance between um, the art of what you're doing, but then also having the model, right? Just like the scientific model in regards to managing and what we call, we go back, you know, ideation implementation. And what was funny was the basically the way the book started out was not a book at all. It was McKinsey that put two projects together. The first, they gave their top consultants um, uh, at their corporate office in New York um, a lot of money. And the project was called, wait for it, the Business Strategy Project. Mm -hmm. But they could never implement the strategy. (laughs) So they had the strategy down, but they could never effectively uh, implement it. And then uh, the second project was with the uh, author of the book, Tom Peters, to basically look at the implementation issues. So the structure in the people side. Uh, at that time, it, that was seen as a quote unquote less important um, you know, focus. Well, that's what Peter said in his uh, interview with Fast Company, that it was that was seen as less important. So McKinsey wanted to first look at the business strategy and then look at the organization aspect of it. And it's why we call this podcast in search of extra lunch, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Cause you know, the problem with that, Alan. Yeah. And one of the problems is that when you operate the way we've always operated, people get frustrated and when they get frustrated, they just want to say, how oh, the hell with it? Go to lunch. And then when they go to lunch, what do they want to do? Emotionally? Let's let's eat emotionally because I'm so miserable in my job. And by the way, are you done with that uh, that bread you got over there? Because I could I, I wouldn't mind eating that. Yeah, pass the butter, please. Yeah. <laughs> in search of extra lunch, because that's where we wind up every time. Yeah, or just looking at the clock too, right? Is lunch here? Is lunch here? Uh, yeah. Sorry, lunch <laughs> is over. One. Yes. Do 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 do. And really what was crazy is they did identify the problem, but ideation and implementation are two completely different things. Absolutely. And it's interesting too, because the common, the common parlance kind of denies the way that 
that things get done. And it, it's strategy and execution. And those have been the words for years. But if you replace them with ideation and implementation, that that implies that there's a lot more to this than just some guy sitting in his office thinking up a strategy than telling everybody to go execute it. Mm -hmm. Well, and what was really amazing about this book and why it was successful was because that really was innovative at the time that the, the, and I'm not going to go into the eight parts of the book. You can buy the book. It's a great book. I agree with what they're saying. They're just identifying the problem and the main theme, which is the problem is structure isn't organization. So the picture of the thing is not the thing, right? An organization or organizational chart or structure is not the organization. Yeah. And I think there's a really interesting thing we've all experienced is when you, when you interview for a job, they're, they're looking at the picture, the organization, the, I mean, excuse me, the structure. And they're saying, okay, you know, so-and-so owns uh, manufacturing and you know, that's the org chart, but that you find out is not the way things really get done in the organization you get in and there's a, the, the real stuff happens, you know, in, in the coffee room or mm -hmm. at the proverbial water cooler, the cliche, it's the, it's the conversations that take place between the people who actually need to work together to get things done. And, and oftentimes it has very little to do with the organization except for the, the landmines you've got to avoid. Yeah, and it, that's a great point. And in a search of excellence, they do go through different companies and they're trying to bring out, right? Like, why are they so excellent? And what you're identifying there too in the big picture is that halo effect. And there's an entire book, basically. Actually, there were two books that were spinoffs of this. Uh, as we're looking, we obviously did good to great. We're doing in search of excellence and we're looking at built to last based off of an incredible article on MarketWatch. We'll make sure it gets... Um, tagged in the notes section is that these companies that they looked at for every reason that they thought they were excellent, they were all duds. Most of them were meh. I mean, it was like, <laughs> and, and so there's a lot of research in this regard, yet these business books are still some of the, you know, most regarded business books and the challenges they're only identifying the problem yeah. right so which now, is good it's it's good it just doesn't go far enough yeah exactly exactly and so you know alan i know you've mentioned several times that the and i i've also experienced this as well we go into organizations to try to put this together but the times that companies are the most successful is when they understand in a mover being in the position of authority you know it, it, they're your point guard right and and that's critical absolutely especially depending on if you're in ideation implementation to be able to balance those two yeah and it's uh, it's the really the only only time that things have really really gone from beginning to end is when that mover is in authority so so that's where you kind of balance the thing you know the org the org chart the structure gives you the authority and then who you are uh, mm -hmm. get, get, gets makes you effective in the organization and you've got to have both yeah, and you just identified there's function management versus yes. role management. A function is where you sit on an organizational chart. A role is the 
what you bring to the table and the part of the work that you do really well. And you have to give leadership and authority to different people at different times, but you still have to have your point guard. You need everybody on your basketball team, but if you don't have somebody calling the shots about who's going to go where. And I think Alan that, you know, and I, I probably said this a thousand times over again, but movers really have it the easiest. And, and remember, this is only 15% of the population and how do you find a mover? Well, the only way is to utilize the assessment that, you know, you co-created 25 uh, plus years ago. And that th- this is the only person that basically doesn't have a dog in the fight. And there, it, it, because in being a mover, I can literally attest to this. I just want to find the best idea and get everybody working together. And what happens is people look at you and they say, oh, you're a leader. And they want you on their team. but the, the challenge is, is that we need everybody, just not at the same time. And the mover has a natural gut instinct of balancing that without having a dog in the fight. We just don't care about, is it my idea? We don't care about necessarily everything that's going to go wrong, but we appreciate somebody telling us what's going to go wrong, which again, the shaker doesn't, right? There's the prover. And then we know we need those darn makers. We just don't want to you know, hand it off to the maker. So therefore we love everybody. Even if you don't identify it specifically, there's just a natural gut instinct that happens. And I think we get way praised way too much. Uh, We get handed a lot of work too, by the way, because we want to get it done, but I think they have it the easiest, but how do you choose who's going to be in that lead situation? Because every single core nature of work responds to it differently. That's right. And so it's actually the clock and the calendar that chooses who is in the leadership. In other words, each phase of the project, as the project moves along, because it's based on the diffusion of innovation research, you know, project had beginning, middle and ends. And there's a certain time in each project that it's ready, that the project is ready to have the leadership handed off to the next person in line. If you hand off too early, you've got problems. And if you hand off too late, you've got problems. And that's one of the great, uh, great abilities of the mover is, is the mover has a great sense of when it's time to hand off and who it should be handed off to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then let's just discuss for a little bit the challenges that each core nature of work has. And by the way, the mover, their biggest challenge in being um, the leader is if they don't have a full team, if they're missing somebody. And again, they're just naturally gut instinct. And we'll get into a little bit of the buzzwords associated with why, you know, we talk about employee engagement, right? And 70% of people hate their jobs. uh, And it's simply because they're, they're, miscast. We don't, if you don't know their core nature of work, how do you know which role that you're going to lead? But Alan, why don't you comment a little bit about how shakers, especially in leadership, especially as CEOs, we've seen this day in and day out, even when they're trained on the methodology, because you're trying to turn the tide, right? When you've been doing the same thing for 30 or 40 years, Uh, but comment a little bit, especially being a uber shaker on when a shaker's put in a leadership position and maybe between also let's break it down. So in search of excellence, ideation, implementation. So I'll talk since we're on the mover, I'll take mover and then you take shaker. So in ideation, 
a mover will have a problem if they're not in a leadership position and everybody just talks around the table about what the hell the strategy is going to be. You're going to drive that. You're never going to leverage that mover to their extent if there is no facilitation and a way to conduct something that something is going to get done, right? There's ideation and the challenge that if a mover doesn't get that, they're going to retract. You're never going to leverage that person in the organization. They're just going to be frustrated and they'll move to that 70% of people that hate their job. In implementation, a mover is going to get frustrated if there's no way to come up with an idea of the blockade that they potentially hit as it as it comes down, right? So you, you decide on the strategy, you're creating a new marketing plan, but now all of a sudden you have to run through the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you run into a block through the technology and have to solve a problem. So if they don't have that entire team that can do that, and they're not allowed to facilitate that team and give everybody the authority at that time, because again, movers don't mind giving authority to anybody. They just want to get it done. So do you want to talk a little bit about shakers and break that down on ideation implementation and the challenges they'll have on both sides? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, a, a shaker feels excited and at home and uh, very positive when starting off the very beginning of a project because you're generating ideas. And a couple of things about a shaker. A shaker loves uh, a an original idea. And of course, that's not very likely to get an original idea done inside an organization. But nonetheless, shakers love that and will lobby for those ideas. But even more importantly, a shaker falls in love with an idea as long as it's mine. (laughs) So uh, the, the other part is I'm going to be lobbying like crazy for my ideas. And I'm going to believe now this is this is hard for non-shakers to to uh, completely believe this or understand this, but I'm going to be looking around the table and making sure that nobody else wants their idea uh, that get gets uh, implemented rather than mine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the nice thing about being uh, having a mover there, especially like running the meeting, is that they don't have a dog in the fight, as you say, and that that means that they're not trying to get their idea done. So I can trust them more easily. And I know the mover has a good gut instinct for finding the most original, but at the same time, practical idea. It's got to be something doable as well as original. And ideas all look the same to a shaker. So I don't care which one it is that gets picked as long as it's mine. Mm -hmm. So there's a shaker behavior. And it can get pretty... The darker side is it can get nasty competitive and like, well, I don't like your idea. Well, yeah, especially in a leadership position. We've seen this all the time. Shaker will just say, nope, you're going to do what I say. Yeah, my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Or the other one. And then the next day is that they come up with a different idea. (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. They say, well, wait a minute, I've got a better idea. Oh, we're just, we've already halfway done with the one you had yesterday. Don't drive me crazy. Yep. And then in implementation, their run home to mommy is just intense. If you, if, if they, if they're not, you know, we already came up with the idea. Okay. So we ran into a roadblock. It's not about changing the entire strategy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Cause that's a run home to mommy for a shaker, which is, Oh, must be a bad idea. Let me come up with 10 more. Yeah. And not that they can't be leaders. It's just, everybody has to know their role so that you can balance it out. And then you're not shifting 
and letting the run home to mommy and the authority on the organizational chart adjust the agreement of the entire team, right? Both in ideation and implementation, which are different because the implementation, remember ideation, your mover is your point guard implementation, your prover is, but it still runs back and forth on the relay team. It's just who is going to be the the initial go-to person to balance out the other three core natures of work. And so let's move on to a prover then, uh, Alan, in regards to a leader. This is great in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Provers are great depending on what leadership position. And, and when they understand this method, I think they're great CEOs and great, great just leaders, bottom line. It's just that to a prover in ideation, if you don't work through Everything that's going to go wrong, good luck getting their buy-in. Good luck because they're yep. thinking about the 15, 20 things. And this is exactly what happens. Business strategy, movers and shakers go to a back room. They decide what's going to be done. And then they look to the provers and makers to make it happen. Yet they didn't even involve them in the process. And it's likely not even thought through. We have a client just right now, mover and shaker, great people, amazingly brilliant, go into the back room, spend millions of dollars, and then didn't think about all the stuff that could have gone wrong. And now millions of dollars are lost and they're trying to backpedal. To Clean fix up it. the mess. Yes. So, but when a, when a prover's in a leadership position in ideation, it was never going to work anyway. Right. Right. There's a guy um, that I knew who was the CEO of a very large company that you would recognize and they called him the piranha. He was a, <laughs> he was a prover and you would bring him, an idea and they were called him the piranha because he'd have it down to bone in about six seconds. And it it is so amazing because again, we need everybody. We need them at a different time. So a prover in a leadership position, knowing the process knows that they don't need to just kill an idea and just kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. It's no, let's work with this, but we work with it to a point that a prover gets to poke all the holes in the idea, in the ideation process. 80% should be spent planning and your prover is critical. Your mover, shaker, and prover are critical. Remember, makers don't come into ideation. And then again, implementation, having your prover as the direct point in implementation. If you have not done ideation correctly, the prover will just look at it this and go, this is really not going to work. Because you didn't think about the 20 things that could go wrong. Because remember, we can overcome those 20 things in ideation. But if you decide and you put a whole bunch of money, like millions of bucks behind adopting and putting together technology that you didn't bring your prover in, this is exactly where technology companies do. We've seen it so many times over again, is they spend millions and millions of dollars and they didn't work with their provers to say, that's not going to work. I I wouldn't use that. That, you know. Nobody's going to adopt that because you haven't done this. Oh, you didn't even think about user experience. I mean, how many times does that happen, right? Yeah. So, a pr- so if you want to speak about a prover in in the implementation aspect of it as well, what what yeah, can go wrong there? Well, well, uh, so one, once a uh, a prover has an idea where you you've gone through what can go wrong, and and, uh, and you've corrected the flaws, the prover is a great person to become the lead person in the implementation of the idea uh, because provers are great at at managing a bunch of makers who can kind of do the same thing over and over again, especially so you you found a replicable pattern that you can make money at. It's a great time to turn it over. However, the the handoff is really important because the prover can also look at the idea and say, 
oh, I don't know, you know, that's, I just can't, I just don't see this happening. And then they'll kind of, and I've had this experience where they, they've taken the idea and they've changed this and changed that because anything that was wrong, they would just throw it out and it would, the idea would come back. They, they, they would replace it with something more in the box, so to speak, something they're more familiar with. And so you'd have a great innovative idea and then the prover would take it and say, well, here it is. It's all ready to implement now. And it's like the idea would come back looking nothing like what was agreed upon. So. Yeah, because they didn't, yeah, and of course they didn't get the buy-in, right? And and yeah. and so, and again, we need everybody just at different times. Different so time. everybody leads at different times. And you bring up a good point. Um, and I'll talk for just a moment about the maker. Uh, makers, they want to do, and you touched on it. They want to do the replicable work they want to be told step by step what to do and do not throw spaghetti against a wall and see if it sticks with a maker because makers are awesome we need them and it almost you know reminds me of the i know we use this um quote all the time warren buffett i hate innovation right because and, and that's that's because you want to replicate something and have it be successful so makers I don't even ever think I've worked with a maker that was ever in a natural leadership position. I think they're highly undervalued because they don't want to be in the meeting. They don't want to have anything to do with creating the idea of what we're going to do, which we call ideation, which I know you said earlier, the terms typically today are strategy and execution. They don't want to be in the strategy. They want to be in execution, but they want it to be to a point of specifics. Do this, as I say, they eat checklists for breakfast. So if you put a maker in a leadership position without their knowledge, uh, without a process, they're going to go back to their desk and sweat for the next two hours. And, you know, and we don't see this as much because makers are natural you know, eat checklist for breakfast. So people put them to work. Um, however, a pitfall there in implementation, which they're critical is if you haven't thought this all the way through, don't even go to them. Don't expect them to speak up in the meeting, give them a checklist, walk them through specifically what needs to do record a, you know, video that says step one, step two, step three, Mm -hmm. step four, so that they can follow it and do it over and over again and watch them put the, you know, stopwatch on to see how quickly they can get it done. I mean, and so that, of course, that's an extreme maker. Um, but you, you really hit the nail on the head there, I think. And it reminds me of uh, that quote by Niels Bohr that you always use. And that's the brilliance of this book, right? Is yep. until we discover the paradox, we have not yet begun to solve the problem. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because this is, you know, uh, the paradox is usually some kind of a contradiction in terms, you know, a cousin of the oxymoron, you know, uh, <laughs> military intelligence, uh, uh, jumbo shrimp, bank and trust. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that one, bank well, and trust. I, I made that one up. <laughs> but uh, the, the funny thing is that here is a book that is uh, identifying strategies uh, uh, and implementation strategies about implementation, but they couldn't implement the strategy about implementation. <laughs> there's, it, there's a paradox for it's you. Like, <laughs> this will make your make your eyes crossed and cross and uh, probably drool a lot at your extra lunch. 
So, uh, yeah. But it, it was brilliant in the fact that it identified the problem. I think that's the biggest challenge with most business books. I mean, yeah. again, you can read the Market Watch uh, article that really inspired us to do this with good to great, built to last, and in search of excellence, is that they all identify the problem. But guess what? If you really thought that that was a great company and they're all, huh, meh, like 10 years later, and we're, st- or gosh, 20 years, 30 years later for this book, yeah. and, and, and we're still looking at this as, wow, you're a business person. You need to read this book. Come on. It, we've identified this in a million different ways. Change management, culture, employee engagement. We call it leadership. It's just buzzwords that we've spent billions, probably trillions of dollars in the last 50 years. And what's changed? Nothing. 70% of people still hate their job. And the reason is because they are miscast. Now, again, we need everybody, but you have to put them in the right in the right sequence at the right time, um, as we call fit in sequence with ideation and implementation. That's how you solve a problem. And it actually reminds me now, I'm thinking of that quote from Deming. 94% of failure is not people failure. It's process. Process failure. failure. And he was amazing. And again, you know, when you get into what Warren Buffett's talking about, I hate innovation. That's saying, hey, you guys have worked so hard to get to where you're at that you can replicate something over and over, even though innovation always has to come back in. Right. And, and that's the underlying thing. It's not about picking the great companies. It's not about the fact that we're trying to identify all the things that you should do right. We know that. It's the messy stuff that we're talking about in regards to just because you say, you know, again, the eight different steps of, of this particular book, but the overarching theme, which is, you know, structure isn't your organization. Um, you know, that is exactly it because if 94% of failure is process failure, it's not your people. It's not them showing up and everybody wants to point the finger and say, Oh, it's the people. And that's the messy stuff inside. We don't talk about, but then we, you know, have these business books that make great points, but just by identifying the problem is not solving the problem. Right. And that's yeah. exactly why we're inspired. And, and it's, they do identify the problem but they didn't identify all the problems. They didn't identify the problem that kept them from implementing. And that's where the, that's where this book uh, and, and a lot of others have fallen down is a, is sort of this blind acceptance of the way that we work together. In other words, uh, that's, you know, never up to question. Don't question that. We'll just we'll just move ahead and solve solve this other problem over here, this other problem over here, and uh, then we'll have a best selling book and we'll be rich and famous or whatever. And uh, you know, then and also very much invested in uh, you know, obviously uh, we should do everything this book says exactly because it's a very successful book and a lot of people bought it, millions of people, millions of people can't be wrong, can they? But have they done the research of, okay, these are the great companies. This is what they did and they didn't do well. Are they bankrupt? Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that for a second. You know, it's, it's, um, it's very interesting. It'll be interesting. We're on a series now we've gotten inspired. We're going to look at all these business books that by the way, Alan has even met the author of this book and I've read and actually I've met the author of good to great and um, Jim Collins. And 
you know, awesome people. I think their books are fantastic. I agree with what's said in it. The problem is they're not solving the problem. And I really like, you know, that quote. And I think um, I'll end with that is that until we discover the paradox, which I believe the paradox has been discovered with these books, the paradox is, but here's the second part. We have not yet begun to solve the problem. So we've barely scratched the surface on the way people do work. Barely. Yep. And so uh, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to the people catalysts, that is plural.com and uh, learn more. And uh, thank you again, Alan. It's always fantastic to uh, have these discussions with you. I mean, we've been working together for a very long time, but I always get so excited to think about the possibilities of the way we can redo work. I love it. Always fun. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.